Praise God. Good morning, church. Good morning. Welcome back to the house of the Lord. Um, and it's so great, you know, to be able to welcome Pastor David and his family, even to uh, be a part of shepherding God's flock here, right here in Glad Tidings. Praise God for that. We want to welcome all of you back from Chinese New Year and all your celebrations. I hope you had a great, great time. And this weekend is also our family worship experience weekend. So the children are here. Any, any children here who are from, usually from Kids Church, if you're here, give me a big wave. Give me a big wave. Come on. All the kids are here. Wow. Okay. I, I see small hands but big waves. Wow. Great. And upstairs at the balcony as well. Okay. So today, we are going to read uh, some passages from the Bible, okay? So families, we're going to read together because I believe God has a word for each and every one of us as families as you go through what you're going through this year. This year, our theme is encounter because we want to believe God's encounter will be upon His people and when you encounter God, something happens. When you encounter God, something happens. Amen. Amen. So, we're going to read this portion of scripture. The title of my message is Turn Around Anointing from 2 Kings chapter 9. Now, 2 Kings chapter 9 is a, uh, how should I put it? It's a very graphic chapter. Okay? So, it is PG-13 to a certain extent. So, parents of you, those of you who are with your children, I need you to even go back later to read the scripture with them, help them to understand what they have read and understand the whole background of it so that they, they won't be uh, uh, too shocked with this scripture. Okay? Is that okay? Ken? Alright, let's stand to our feet. We're going to read our point scripture for the year, John chapter 20. Our point scripture for the year is John chapter 20, verse 20. But we're going to read from verse 19 to 22 and I'm going to bring... Do you bring us to 2 Kings chapter 9 in a bit? Okay, let's stand to our feet. Let's give reverence to the Word of God and um, read the Bible together as a family. Okay, one, two, three. On the evening of that first day of the week, when the disciples were together, the doors locked for fear of the Jewish leaders, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands and sighed. The disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. Again, Jesus said, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And with that, he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. Okay, we're going to jump to 2 Kings chapter 9. Then Elisha the prophet called one of the sons of the prophets and said to him, Tie up your garments and take this flask of oil in your hand and go to Ramoth Gilead. And when you arrive, look there for Jehu, the son of Jehoshaphat, son of Nimshi, and go in and have him rise among his fellows and lead him to an inner chamber. Then take the flask of oil and pour it on his head and say, Thus says the Lord, I anoint you king over Israel. Then open the door, flee, do not linger. So the young man, the servant of the prophet, went to Ramoth Gilead. And when he came, behold, the commanders of the army were in council. He said, I have a word for you, O commander. And Jehu said, To which of us? And he said, To you, O commander. So he arose and went into the house. 
And the young man poured the oil on his head, saying to him, Thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, I anoint you king over the people of the Lord, over Israel. And you shall strike down the house of Ahab, your master, so that I may avenge on Jezebel the blood of my servants, the prophets, and the blood of all the servants of the Lord. For the whole house of Ahab shall perish, and I will cut off from Ahab every male, bond or free, in Israel. And I will make the house of Ahab like the house of Jeroboam, the son of Nebat, and like the house of Baasha, the son of Ahijah. And the dogs shall eat Jezebel in the territory of Jezreel, and none shall bury her. When Jehu came out to the servants of his master, they said to him, Is all well? Why did this mad fellow come to you? And he said to them, You know the fellow and his talk. And they said, That is not true. Tell us now. And he said, Thus and so he spoke to me, saying, Thus says the Lord, I anoint you king over Israel. Then in haste, every man of them took his garment and put it under him and the bare steps. And they blew the trumpet and proclaimed, Jehu is king. Thus Jehu, the son of Jehoshaphat, the son of Nimshi, conspired against Joram. Now Joram, with all Israel, had been on guard at Ramoth-Gilead against Hazael, king of Syria. But King Joram had returned to be healed in Jezreel of the wounds that the Assyrians had given him when he fought with Hazael, king of Syria. So Jehu said, If this is your decision, then let no one slip out of the city to go and tell the news in Jezreel. Then Jehu mounted his chariot and went to Jezreel, for Joram lay there, and Ahaziah, king of Judah, had come down to visit Joram. Now, the watchman was standing on the tower in Jezreel, and he saw a company of Jehu as he came and said, I see a company. And Joram said, Take a horseman and send to meet them, and let him say, Is it peace? So a man on horseback went to meet him and said, Thus says the king, Is it peace? And Jehu said, What do you have to do with peace? Turn around and ride behind me. And the watchman reported, saying, The messenger reached them, but he is not coming back. Then he sent a second horseman to came to them and said, Thus the king has said, Is it peace? And Jehu answered, What do you have to do with peace? Turn around and ride behind me. Again the watchman reported, He reached them, but he is not coming back. And the driver is like, the driving is like the driving of Jehu, the son of Nimshi, for he drives furiously. Joram said, Make ready. And they made ready his chariot. Then Joram, king of Israel, and Ahaziah, king of Judah, set out each on his chariot and went to meet Jehu and met him at the property of Naboth, the Jezreelite. And when Joram saw Jehu, he said, Is it peace, Jehu? He answered, What peace? Can there be so long as the whorings and the sorceries of your mother Jezebel are so many? Then Joram reigned about and fled, saying to Ahaziah, 
treachery, O Ahaziah. And Jehu drew his bow with full strength and shot Joram between his shoulders so that the arrow pierced his heart and he sank in his chariot. Jehu said to Bidka, his aide, take him up and throw him in the plot of ground belonging to Naboth, the Jezreelite. For remember when you and I rode by side, by side behind Ahab, his father, how the Lord made this pronouncement against him. As surely I saw yesterday the blood of Naboth and the blood of his sons, declares the Lord, I will repay you on this plot of ground. Now therefore take him up and throw him into the plot of ground in accordance to the word of the Lord. When Ahaziah, the king of Judah, saw this, he fled in the direction of Beth Hagan, and Jehu pursued him and said, Shoot him also. And they shot him in the chariot at the ascent of Ger, which is by Iblim. And he fled to Megiddo and died there. His servants carried him in a chariot to Jerusalem and buried him in his tomb with his fathers in the city of David. In the eleventh year of Joram, the son of Ahab, Ahaziah began to reign over Judah. When Jehu came to Jezreel, Jezebel heard of it, and she painted her eyes and adorned her head and looked out of the window. And as Jehu entered the gate, she said, Is it peace, you son, you Zimri, murderer of your master? And he lifted up his head, face to the window and said, Who is on my side? Who? Two or three eunuchs looked out at him. He said, Throw her down. So they threw her down, and some of her blood spattered on the wall and on the horses, and they trampled on her. Then he went in and ate and drank, and he said, See, oh, this cursed woman, and bury her, for she is a king's daughter. But when they went to bury her, they found no more of her than the skull and the feet and the palms of her hands. When they came back and told him, he said, This is the word of the Lord which he spoke by his servant Elijah the Tishbite. In the territory of Jezreel, the dogs shall eat the flesh of Jezebel, and the corpse of Jezebel shall be as dung on the face of the field in the territory of Jezreel, so that no one can say, this is Jezebel. Father, we thank you for your word. Your word is alive and your word continues to speak truth to each and every one of our hearts. Help me, O oh God, to bring understanding and clarity and help your people, O oh God, to understand your word. Let their hearts be open, their spirit be open to you and the workings of the Holy Spirit right here in this place. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you very much. Please be seated. Okay. We've read a very, very long scripture. And uh, it's good to read God's Word together, amen? Yeah, it's great to read God's Word together. And I found a lot of similarities with, between these two stories. And uh, you know, we, if you really want to understand the prophetic, gift, prophetic works, you know, and, and uh, how God works and all that, right, you should read history. Understand history to understand prophetic works. Because when you understand Old Testament, when you start reading Old Testament, you understand how God works, His nature, His character, and how it really reflects on how He does 
the work even in the New Testament as well and also in your lives, in all that you are going through. So if you want to understand all that, that's why I love, I really love reading the Old Testament. I love understanding the Old Testament. I love understanding the significance of why they did things certain way and their culture and why the things that were done in that way so that I can understand New Testament better and I can understand how God is working in and through my life as well. Okay? So continue to read God's Word and, and dig deep into His Word. We've read... John chapter 20, and we've also read 2 Kings chapter 9. Now, to understand 2 Kings chapter 9, you have to understand, to read, go back a little bit more to understand from 1 Kings chapter 19. Okay? Now, 2 Kings chapter 9 started off with Elisha. Remember, the, the verse starts off with Elisha. Elisha called one of his servants and asked and gave the servant a task to go to see Jehu and anoint him as king. Right? That's what we read just now. Are you following? Yes? Okay. So now let's go back a little bit, rewind a little bit back to 1 Kings chapter 19. 1 Kings chapter 19, verse 15 to 17. This happened to, this is the account of Elijah. Not Elisha. Elijah. Elijah was the teacher of Elisha. Okay, Elijah was the teacher of Elisha. So what happened was, Elijah just finished a huge ba battle together with the prophets of Baal. And uh, he won that battle. So there was a huge victory and he, he slayed all the prophets of Baal at that time. And after that great momentous victory, Elijah went into a fear. Something happened to him and he was in so fearful that he went hiding in a cave. Okay, he went hiding in a cave. And in this cave, the Lord appeared to him and spoke to Elijah. I need you to follow me here so that you will understand what it is in 2 Kings chapter 9. Right, so the Lord said to Elijah, this is Elijah, go, return on your way to the wilderness of Damascus. And when you arrive, you shall anoint Hazael to be king over Syria. We read about this just now in 2 Kings chapter 9. Hazael, the king of Syria, who wounded Joram, Okay, Hazael, king of Syria. And Jehu, the son of Nimshi, you shall anoint to be king over Israel. And Elisha, the son of Shepheth of Abel, Mahola, you shall anoint to be prophet in your place. And to the one who escapes from the sword of Hazael, shall Jehu put to death. And to the one who escapes the sword of Jehu, shall Elisha put to death. Okay. Elijah was given how many instructions here? It's no trick question. Anoint Hazael to be king over Syria. Anoint Jehu, the son of Nimshi, to be king over Israel. And anoint Elisha to be a prophet in his place. Three things, right? How many things, how many of these this tasks do you think Elijah completed? One. The only thing that he managed to do was take Elisha under his care and train him as a prophet in his place. Now, this is a side note here. I wanted to point out to everyone. Sometimes the Lord reveals many, many things to us. He reveals many truths to us. He reveals many things to us so that he shows us the potential of something that could take place. Can I have the next slide? But... What he requires from each one of us is to do what you can. And to do the best that you can in what God has given you. Elijah was given three tasks to anoint Hazael 
to anoint Jehu and to anoint Elisha. But all he managed to do was anoint Elisha. And the anointing upon Elisha was the, all that it took to complete everything else that God had instructed Elijah to do. So sometimes you and I may be shown a big picture of things. David was shown a big picture. King David was shown a big picture of the temple. But he never built the temple. He only collected the items for the building of the temple. Solomon built the temple. So sometimes God may reveal a lot of things to us, but not necessarily it will be fulfilled in your time. But God's plans will never ever be thwarted. God's purposes will never ever be thwarted because God's ways are always higher than ours. His ways will always come to pass. His plans will always come to pass. You and I need to do what we can. He anointed Elisha. And now, as we go back, fast forward to 2 Kings chapter 9. That was when Elisha sent forth, got his servant to go and anoint Jehu to be king over Israel. Now you see it? And you understand that? Okay? In fact, if you read 2 Kings chapter 8, Elisha has an encounter with Hazael, king of Syria. Okay, when you read that, then you understand it was that point of a meeting with Hazael. Perhaps that was the point where the anointing happened over Hazael. So, Elijah only managed to do one thing and Elisha completed the task that God had given to Elijah. Okay? We, are we clear? So, do what you can. Do what you can. Secondly, another side note here is this. Both accounts, in, we read in John chapter 20 and in 2 Kings, it's very interesting. In John chapter 20, it tells us that the disciples were locked in a room and they were fearful. They were fearful, they were afraid, they were locked in the room. Then, in 2 Kings chapter 9, we read about how when the young man, when the servant called, called Jehu and uh, told him to, to, that he wanted to speak with him, they went inside to the inner chambers inside the room. Okay, the next slide. Behind closed doors. Behind closed doors, a lot of times, your breakthroughs will happen behind closed doors. Your breakthroughs will happen behind closed doors. Your breakthroughs will happen during your times of devotion. Your breakthroughs will be moments where you are intimately in the presence of the Lord, one-on-one -on -one with Him, perhaps in your cell groups, perhaps right here at the altar, behind closed doors. Right here, you're going to be anointed. Something happens. And when that something happens, you, you come in as one person and you leave as a different person. Just like the disciples, they were in the room fearful, but when the anointing, when God breathed the Holy Spirit upon them, received the Holy Spirit, something happened. Jehu, something happened to him as well because there was an anointing that was upon him as it was behind closed doors. So don't neglect your moments with the Lord. Don't neglect spending time with Him. If you want to have God encounters, spend time in His presence. Spend time knowing Him. Spend time reading His Word. Spend time in prayer and praise because God's, God will meet you there and something will happen and change in your life. Amen? Amen. Okay, those are just extra bonuses, okay? So let's go back to the verse here. We're going to talk about an anointing that took place that caused a turnaround. Turnaround anointing. Firstly, we saw a turnaround in character. Turnaround in character. In John chapter 20, it talks about how the disciples were locked up in fear. In fear. We read, 
And we've been reading it since, since January, the beginning of January, and Pastor Vincent has been preaching about it. He talked about how they were in fear. But the moment there was an encounter with the Lord and the Lord breathed that anointing upon them, the moment that Acts chapter 2 happened as well, when they were in the upper room and they received the, the baptism of the Holy Spirit upon them, suddenly something changed. Their character from being fearful, from being hiding, from being afraid, they turned around and they walked out of that room being bold and courageous, declaring the truth of God. There was a turnaround in character. In 2 Kings chapter 9, verse 4 and 5, I want us to read, see this here about Jehu. So the young man, the servant of the prophet, went to Ramoth Gilead, and then when he came, he, when he came, behold, the commanders of the army were in council. So all the commanders were seated together, they were having a meeting. Then that guy who was sent by Elisha said, I have a word for you, O commander. Look at this. It is very interesting. There were many, many commanders there. Many commanders. And when that guy went there and said, I have a word for you, commander, guess who responded? Jehu. He asked, he responded, but his response is very interesting. He said, to which of us all? Who, who are you looking for? All of us are commanders here. Who are you looking for? And he said, and that guy said to him, to you, oh commander, to you. I'm talking to you. And when he came out after the whole anointing service in the inner chambers, Jehu came out to the servants of his master and they said to him, Is all well? Why did this mad fellow come to you? Very natural, right? He went in and then he comes out. So they were very concerned for him and said, Is everything okay? What happened? What happened inside there? Why, what did this mad fellow want from you? What, what did this guy want from you? His response was, he said to them, you know this fellow and his talk. You know lah, you know how he, no, yeah, this guy lah, you know. He, he didn't really, there was no confidence, no, no recognition of what had happened in the inner chamber. And they said, that is not true. Tell us now. And he said, thus, and so he spoke to me saying, thus says the Lord, I anoint you king over Israel. Friends, I want you to understand this. Do you know who Jehu is? Do you know whose son Jehu is? If you read in the scripture, if you paid attention to reading that scripture just now, Jehu is the son of King Jehoshaphat. King Jehoshaphat in 2 Chronicles, we read about how amazing he was that he led an army to, against the Moabites and the Ammonites and they didn't even have to fight because his strategy was from the Lord and the Lord said to sing praises, just sing praises to me and they led the whole army, the, all the enemies started having confusion and they fought against one another and in, in high, annihilated everybody, all their enemies died. That was the great King Jehoshaphat. Jehu is his son. He was not an ordinary boy who didn't know what battle is all about. He wasn't an ordinary boy who, didn't, who was just another commander in the army. He was a son of a, a great king. And yet he didn't know his position. He didn't know the authority that was upon his life. He didn't know what, what he had. And, and there was no confidence in his heart and in his spirit. The moment the guy came, I need to speak with you, commander. He goes, uh, which, which one? Uh? Who, 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 which commander do you want to speak to? Who? who, who? Is it me? Is this guy? This guy looks strong and healthy. And, and That was what he did. 
And even after being anointed, he comes out. And when they ask him, they go, he goes, Ah, no lah, nothing lah, nothing much. The, the guy didn't say anything much lah. The friends recognized it. The friends noticed it. The friends had to tell him, that's not true. Tell us the truth. Tell us what happened inside there. You know why? He went in there. He comes out. His forehead is probably glistening with oil. And you tell your friends nothing happened. He was anointed with oil. And remember I told you, told you, told you all about the anointing of the anointing oil during that time when they, the oil that they were used to anoint the priest, the oil, the oil that they used to anoint the king was a special oil that was made of frankincense and myrrh and all the spices that are potent. So when he walked out, he didn't even, he didn't just have oil on his forehead. He was smelling of anointing. From a mile away, they could have smelt him. And then here he goes, Ayah, nothing much happened lah inside there. And I suspect a lot of us are like Jehu. We get anointed, but then nothing changes. We, we want to blend in. We come out of that room wanting to blend in. Jehu wanted to blend in with his commanders. He didn't want them to notice that anything else has changed. That's why he said, ah, you know, la, nothing, la, nothing happened inside. But you know what? Can I tell you this? If, God's, if you really desire God's anointing upon your life, you cannot remain the same. You will not be the same person. When you are anointed of God, you are not the same person person. I suspect many of us here need to declare to ourselves, need to look at ourselves in the mirror and say, I am anointed of God. You need to declare to yourself, you need to declare to the people around you and your friends need to declare to you as well to say that you are a child of God. You are anointed, you are set apart, you are different. And that's what the family of God here is for. You need to tell your children that. that you are special, you are a child of God. Affirm them so that they recognize God's anointing is upon their lives and God's anointing is upon each and every one of your lives as well. You need to believe it, declare it, and act upon it. There is no point you having a sword. If I can give you a sword, I give you a sword and you keep the sword in your pockets and you don't use it. When the enemies come and attack you, all you can do is scream and shout, ah! You don't even bother taking this sword. You don't even recognize that you have a sword in, within you that you can use to defend yourself and not just defend yourself, to attack. And that's the same with the anointing of God. Many of us have been anointed, but you cannot recognize that God's anointing is upon your life. Therefore, you don't take it on. You don't act upon it. And yet, you, the time you come here, you cry, you be anointed, and you get out leaving as the same person. You cannot leave as the same person. When God's anointing is upon your life, something happens. You will not remain the same. Can somebody say amen? You will not remain the same. Hallelujah. God's anointing is upon you. 
you are called, you are here to walk in victory. You are here to declare victory over your lives. You are here to do and set forth to do God's purposes in your life. It's upon your life. Don't be afraid to step out, to step forth and do what is right. God's anointing is upon you. Secondly, there was a turnaround in confrontation. A turnaround in confrontation. Second Kings chapter 9, verse 17 to 19 tells us this. Now the watchman was standing at the tower of Jezreel and he saw the company of Jehu. As he came, he said, see the company, I see a company. And Joram said, take the horsemen and send to meet them. Okay, just a little bit. Joram is the king of Israel. There was a northern kingdom and the southern kingdom, right? So the northern kingdom, they'll call them Israel, and the southern kingdom is Judah. So the northern kingdom's king is, is, is Joram, okay? So Joram said, take the horsemen and send to meet them, and let him say, is it peace? So the man on the horseback went to meet him and said, thus says the king, is it peace? And Jehu said, what do you have to do with peace? Turn around and ride with me. And the watchman reported saying the messenger reached them, but he is not coming back. Now, this is a very interesting situ situation. A man came, a messenger on a horseback came to find out and to inquire from Jehu, what are you doing here? What are you doing here? Basically, it was a very hostile confrontation. What are you doing here? Are you here to fight? Is it peace? What do you want from us? Why do you bring your entire battalion with you? Is it peace? It was a hostile confrontation. But Jehu, this is the same Jehu that when the young servant came to him to anoint him, all he could say was, huh, you're looking for me? Are you, looking, are you really looking for me? Or is it somebody else that you're looking? That's the same guy who was unsure of himself. Now, the anointing of God that has turned his character around, he now answers, what do you know about peace? Turn around. Follow me. Something happened to this man. So exciting. And the watchman goes, the watchman, from afar, he's looking behind his binoculars or whatever, the telescope at that time. He's seeing, you know, he's saying, eh, how come our guy is not riding back? Instead, he has turned around to join their army. Something is not right. Maybe, maybe we sent the wrong guy. Let's send a second guy there. So they sent the second guy. The second guy goes, thus says the king has said, is it peace? And Jehu answered the same thing. What do you have to do with peace? Turn around and ride with me. Ride behind me. Again, that watchman reported, he reached them, but he also is not coming back. And the driving is like the driving of Jehu, the son of Nimshi, for he drives furiously. Okay, some of you may be confused. Why is this? I thought he said, you told me that Jehu is the son of Jehoshaphat. Yes, Jehu is the son of Je Jehoshaphat, who is the son of Nimshi. So Nimshi is the grandfather. Okay? Jehu is the son of Nimshi, for he drives furiously. So it's crazy how this entire thing is. The man called forth to, their, to, to the enemy's horsemen and says, what do you know? Turn around, follow me. Turn around and follow me. When I was preparing this message, the Lord said this. Many of you here, you may be faced with very hostile confrontations in the days to come. 
some people are not going to be very nice to you. Some people are going to be say mean things to you and come against you rudely, trying to challenge, trying to intimidate you. At your business, in your schools, in your families. But when the turnaround anointing is upon your life, you dare to step and stand firm on what God has said in your life. Stand firm on the truth and declare it and say, what do you know about peace? And God will give you that wisdom to speak what is right and instead of them attacking you, there will be a turnaround and they will turn around to follow you and listen to what you have to say. Don't you want that kind of anointing in your life? Amen. I want that kind of anointing in my life. That when people, when there are hostile situations and hostile people around, I will be able to dare to speak and have that turn around in that situation. So I pray with all my heart that today you will begin to see that God's anointing can turn around these situations to this. Let me say this, that I can just imagine, you know, how this whole scene played out. This whole scene played out like some Chinese gangster movie, you know. This gangster head comes out and gangster Matai comes out, you know, and comes out and looks at, at Jehu and his gang and he goes, Oh man, you got Joe. Attack Chao, man. Want to fight? Let's take it outside, you know. What are you doing here? Are you bringing me Mandarin orange and bakwa? What? This Chinese New Year visitation, uh, everybody's here. And then he turns around and tells them, What do you know about all this thing? Come and follow me. If these guys did not notice what authority was upon Jehu and what was upon him, that something had, was such an authority and such a power that was upon Jehu and they followed him blindly, trust me, this is, this is treason in the highest order. They betrayed their country, they betrayed their kingdom while being watched by their watchmen on the tower. Their tower, the watchman is watching them. What is going on? They were supposed to come back to give us a report, but instead they have joined their gang. These guys said, better watch out. I will kill them myself. If these guys are not sure that Jehu is really anointed and is really more powerful than their king, they had better watch out because it will be off with their heads. But somehow, these men recognize God's anointing upon Jehu. And as a recognition of God's anointing upon Jehu, they turned around and followed him instead of going back to give the report. I pray with all my heart that this year, as you go through what you're going through, difficulties will come, people will come and attack, people will come and be hostile against you. But God's anointing is upon you to speak truth. God's anointing is upon you to declare what is right. And you will be able to see, just like the disciples, they were so afraid of the people who were persecuting them. They were hiding in the room. And the moment the anointing of God came upon them, especially when you read in Acts chapter 2, the moment the anointing of God came upon them, they went out of their doors changed and they, became, and they went on to proclaim the truth of God to the same group of people in Jerusalem that was persecuting them. They stood there and they proclaimed the truth and 3,000 got saved that day. 
what happened? There was a turnaround in the confrontation. They were not afraid anymore. They stood by the truth, they declared the truth, and instead of people attacking them, they turned around and followed Christ. What a powerful, powerful anointing. And I pray that all of us will, will desire that kind of anointing in our lives. That as all that you go through, you will not be afraid of men. You will not be afraid of the circumstance. Amen? Amen. Thirdly, and I'll finish with this, is the turnaround in circumstances. Turnaround in circumstances. Now, you, I want, need you to understand this. Joram, King Joram. King Joram is the king of Israel. His father was Ahab, King Ahab. King Ahab married a Phoenician princess by the name of Jezebel. And Jezebel didn't just marry into the family. Like all, a lot of other women that you read in the Bible, you know, another woman that you see in the Bible is the, uh, the book of Ruth, right? And you see how, how submissive she is. Wherever you go, whatever God you serve, I will serve. That was her. But not, not Jezebel. Jezebel, when she left, uh, um, when she left her land, she brought along her God to Israel. And King Ahab tolerated it. She, uh, he allowed her to practice what she was practicing and the prophets that were there and all the idolatry, the sorcery, the witchcraft, everything that she was doing. And he allowed her to kill a lot of the prophets and a lot of the followers of, of God, of the Almighty God. He allowed it. And as a result of this unholy union, God was angry with Israel and sent a drought that covered the land for more than three years, for three years. And only upon the defeat of the prophet of Baal at Mount Carmel, which is Elijah's story, the rain came. Another bonus that I'm going to throw in, marry the right woman. Marry the right man. Marry the right man who would stand up for truth. Marry the right man who would dare to know the principles and lead the family in godly ways. Marry the right woman who would not influence you otherwise away from your God, but closer to Him. Amen? Okay, now coming back to this. Some of us are in this same situation. We feel like sometimes we take two steps forward and then three steps back again. We gain victory, we gain, we gain, um, we gain, we, gain, we know, we, you, 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 you win some battles and you're very happy, you know, and like, yeah, you know, I've overcome certain things. But then, after that, something happens and the fear and the intimidation all happens all over again and you're back to square one, if not negative two. Similarly, this was the same situation that was happening. Jezebel had this controlling spirit over Israel. She controlled and, and had this sorcery and, and this power of intimidation and power over the people. And as a result of that, even after that defeat at, the, at Mount Carmel, such a huge defeat, Elijah was still scared and had retreated into the cave, so afraid of this woman. It was a cycle again and again. You get victory and then you move back. You get victory and you move back. And many of us are in those cycles. Perhaps it's situations of, of the past. Perhaps it's a spiritual darkness that needs to be broken once and for all in the mighty name of Jesus. Because this was more than just a physical battle. Jezebel had sorcery and witchcraft under her belt. She was doing all these things. You know, just as we can sing, you know, even when we don't see it, God is moving. Even when we don't see it, the devil is moving. 
And a lot of times, there are a lot of things that are happening that we are not fighting against flesh and blood, but we are fighting against powers and principalities that you and I don't even see. And all you need, but what you need is the anointing of God to break every yoke, to break every chain once and for all in the mighty name of Jesus. Because greater is He who is in you than He who is in the world. Because by the cross of Jesus Christ, He has set us free once and for all. Can somebody shout Amen? Come on, let's give him a greater shout of praise. He has set you free. He has set you free. The anointing of God is upon your life to break every chain, to sever it off once and for all. You don't have to be afraid. I want to believe, and I know, when God's anointing is upon your life, something happens. I want you to read this scripture. It says here, when Jehu came to Jezreel, Jezebel heard of it. When God's anointing is upon your life, it will be evident because you will stand out. You won't be like the rest. You will stand out. Whether it's in your company, in your family, your people are going to notice. Something is different with this person. Something is different with this person. You don't have to advertise it in the newspaper or in any magazine or any social media. Jezebel heard of it. And then the Bible tells us, she painted her eyes and adorned her head and looked out of the window. Hmm. Very interesting. You hear of an enemy coming and the first thing you do is put on makeup. Let me tell you why. How many of you have gone for wake services? Funeral services? When you pay your last respect, and sometimes you look into the casket, they usually embalm the person and make the person up. If there are scars from an accident, they will make that person up. If and they will put a little bit of, of lipstick so that the person doesn't look so dead. In those days, that's exactly what they did as well. They would make up the dead. Jezebel knew her time was up. She made herself up because she wanted to die a dignified death. There was no escaping the sword of Jehu because the anointing of God was upon him. You're going to walk into rooms and if there are any evil spirits there, they will have to flee in the mighty name of Jesus because you're not walking in there with your own confidence and with, with you being I'm so clever and I'm so brave. You're walking in there with the anointing of God upon your lives. And when the anointing of God is upon your life, demons will have to flee in the mighty name of Jesus because they will smell you from a mile away. Amen. 
And it goes on to say, Jehu entered the gate and she said, Is it peace, you Zimri murderer of your master? I like this. Jezebel talks to Jehu. But what does Jehu do? Does Jehu have a conversation with Jezebel? Nope. He doesn't have a conversation. Hey, how are you? You look very pretty today. Huh? Wow, eyeliner, is it new? Huh? You don't have conversations with the devil. You don't play with fire. There's no negotiation. There's no bargaining in this situation. But some of us like to negotiate and, and bargain with the devil. Can I, you know, I step into here a bit, then I step into here a bit, I step into here. There is no negotiation. He doesn't even reply her. All he says is, who is on my side? Who is on my side? Who? Two or three eunuchs stepped out and looked out of the window. They looked at Jehu and what they saw upon him was God's anointing upon him and they knew that this was a man that was sent from God and what they did next was they carried Jezebel and threw her off the window and she died. God's anointing was upon Jehu. At the moment they saw him, they knew something was upon him. The authority, the call, and that, that the way he spoke and that firmness in his heart and his spirit, something happened and something turned around. And they threw her down. And thus ends the cruel and evil reign of Jezebel. It was a change in circumstance, a turnaround in circumstance that not only lifted that place, but the entire Israel. So uh, friends, I'm telling you there is power when two or three Christians gather together to pray touching anything here on earth, it shall be done in heaven. When you pray and you seek God together and you believe that strongholds can be broken in the mighty name of Jesus, those things can be broken and it will have a lifting, not just in your homes, but in the entire nation as well. Do you believe that? Amen. Because the anointing of God is upon us to declare that. And as we walk out, and as we walk out with that anointing and that call and being set apart for God, Things will change. You cannot remain the same. You may not be all you want to be, but you're definitely not who you used to be. Amen. You may not be all you want to be, but you're definitely not who you used to be in the mighty name of Jesus because when God's anointing comes upon your life, something changes. A turnaround takes place in your character. A turnaround takes place in all confrontations. A turnaround takes place in the circumstance that you are going through. So this morning... I want to remind you, you are anointed, you are called, called, you are a child of God. You have to start living like a child of God. You have to start walking like a child of God. Jehu is king. The moment his friends declared that over him, suddenly something changed and he acted like king, even though he was not king at that point of time yet. You are all children of the Most High God, set apart with the full inheritance of God over your life. Walk and live lives knowing that you are anointed and you are called and you are victorious in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Come on, let's stand to our feet even as we worship the Lord this afternoon. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for watching. Subscribe to our channel so you don't miss out on anything new and stay connected with us on our social media.